and welcome to a new series of our musical and theatre podcast. I'm Alice Arnold, and in this series, we're going to focus on the holy grail of theatre, the Olivier Awards. If you enjoy the podcast, then a reminder that you might like to listen to my show on Mellow Magic on Saturday and Sunday mornings from 6 till 10. Welcome to the first in our series of musical and theatre podcasts focusing on the Olivier Awards. And in the studio, I'm joined by the Chief Executive of the Society of London Theatre and UK Theatre, Julian Bird. Now, that's quite a mouthful, but you are also the executive producer of the Olivier Awards. And I wonder, just to start with, if you could sum up the importance of the awards for British theatre. Well, I think in lots of um, spheres of life, there's sort of one set of awards, which are the sort of ones that people aspire to win. So whether that's the BAFTA Awards for film or the Tony Awards in theatre in America and the Olivier Awards are those here in the UK. Um, You know, they're considered to be the greatest honour you can get as an actor or a creative team or as the writer of a show. Um, And, you know, the Olivier's do many things. They they really showcase the excellence that we have in this country in all those different spheres, whether you're a lighting designer or an actor or a musician. Um, But, of course, they also just kind of demonstrate to the world, I think, that London is the greatest theatre capital literally on the planet. Um, And the statistics bear that out. But also you just have to come to London and see the extraordinary range of productions uh, that we have on our stages to see that really is the case. Yeah. And, well, talking about winning the awards... How are the awards won? So what is the process of the voting process for the Olivier Awards? So a show has to run, for the main theatre awards, we're just talking about those, a show has to run for at least 30 performances Mm -hmm. in a SALT, in a a Society of London Theatre venue. So that's basically the the main West End. So it has to run for at least 30 performances in one of about 52 theatres. So this year in the main theatre categories, um, there's something like 110 eligible productions, so quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, and members of the public can apply to be on a public panel. Can they? And uh, we uh, we get hundreds, thousands of applicants and we shortlist an interview. And it's the most extraordinary collection of people. I mean, uh, from uh, nurses who look after people um, with advanced cancer to this year there's uh, someone who's uh, uh, a reptile keeper at London Zoo. I mean, literally every walk of life, retired teachers, everything. So there's a broad spectrum. Very broad spectrum, nine people. Um, and they go and see all the shows during the year, quite some commitment. And they then help effectively long list down from that 110. And then both they and the members of SALT, so that's the theatre owners and the producers, all collectively vote to create the nominations. So how many and is then that the in winners. total? Then it's just it? under 200 people who vote in okay, total. right. And then they, their votes get added together to create the nominations and then they vote again to create uh, the winners. And they would go and see all the shortlisted. Yes, they, they go and see all year round as well. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's and a big what, process. what would you say for, for, for this year? Has this been a good year? Well, last year, really. Has this been a, a strong year, do you think? For yeah, I, th- I think it has been an exceptional year, Um this is my seventh Olivier Awards, unbelievably. Um, and, uh, you know, you only have to, have to look at, for example, at the musical categories. There's many more musical productions this year than we've had in the last few. I think there's something like 14 new musicals were eligible, which is a huge number. Mm. So, you know, only four were nominated, so 10 have sadly missed out. Yeah. Um, and every year, the most extraordinary list of productions and talent. And you, you only have to look down the shortlists in the acting categories to see, you know, 
kind of just think of the people who didn't make it onto those lists, who gave extraordinary performances. So it's a very, very tough year, I think. Yeah. We'll, we'll come on to some of the categories in a moment, but I, I can't not ask. Um, which firm of accountants are you using to hand out the winning envelopes? <laughs> well, we, would you believe we do not use a firm of accountants? No, don't you? No, we use ERS, which is the Electoral Reform Society, who, who work for the government and everybody else here to do elections in the UK. So they actually handle all the... Ner- <laughs> I will tell you, though, that we only have one set of envelopes at the side of the stage, yeah. not two. So. See, I, I, schoolboy error, I thought, having I know, double, I... double envelopes. You're bound to lead to mistakes Bound to lead way. to mistakes, isn't yeah. it? Yes. So, uh, but yes, I won't tell you any more about how we do it, but we only have one set of envelopes. Yeah, well, let's hope that bit goes smoothly. <laughs> well, believe me, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start at talk, with talking in, in, in this podcast about the Musical mm. Theatre Awards. And, and we'll start with um, uh, the supporting role, best supporting role in, in, a, in a musical. And one of the nominations that stood out for me was Ben Hunter in The Girls, which is the new musical that Gary Barlow based on, on Calendar Girls. Yeah. Um, I saw it. This is his West End debut. Who's incredibly young, but by golly, he gives a strong performance, doesn't he? Amazing. And so the story of Ben is that he was um, he came to an open call at the age of sixteen because they tried out the production in a, in one of the WI Village sure. halls up mm-hmm. in Yorkshire, and then it had a, and then it had another tryout in Manchester and Leeds about a year ago, and they've been refining it all the way along. So they discovered Ben when he was sixteen um, two years ago. Um, and he has stayed with the production since then. You know, it's his first professional acting job in London, in the West End, and there he gets nominated. He I nominated. mean, that's, you know, the story that um, things are made of, isn't it? It's, but, he's, yeah, well, and it's he's fully such deserved. an amazing guy. He's when really I nice it, guy. I just and thought everything. he's going to go a long way. A he's long got way. a huge future. And, you know, if you think of all say. those performances and he's come through to be one of the four nominated, I mean, yeah. how wonderful is that? Now, both Ian Bartholomew and Emma Williams have been nominated for their roles in Half a Sixpence. Of course, this is a, a, a production that transferred from Chichester, and we have so many successful musicals that transfer from Chichester, don't we? Yes, very much. And, and, and you know, the funny story there is that Emma and Ian were also nominated. Both of them were nominated last year for Mrs. Henderson Presents, which transferred actually from Bath, but transferred to the Noel Coward Theatre. Mm-hmm. That production closed, and Half a Sixpence opened at the Noel Coward Theatre. So it's a little bit of deja vu for both of them. Um, but, you know, they're two of our great, um, you know, musical performers, if you like, and amazing that they've been nominated two years running. And, yeah. and as you said, you know, Chichester has become this sort of powerhouse of musical production, if you like, over the years, and many, many shows have transferred. This is just the latest. Yeah. Moving on to the Magic Radio Musical Revival Award. This is interesting, isn't it? People still flock to see shows that they know and love. And, and I wonder what people look for in a revival. Do you look for the traditional production done very well or do you look for a new take on an old Mm. production? I think it's interesting when you look down the shortlist, you know, I think people are drawn to those iconic shows and probably the iconic songs they know, you know. Mm. You go and see Funny Girl, people are waiting for Don't Rain On My Parade or People, you know, you go and see Jesus Christ Superstar, you're waiting for those sort of big moments, aren't you? Uh, Sometimes they're what we would call in the industry star-driven, so they have a real star name above the title, uh, and sometimes not, you know, in the case of Jesus Christ Superstar and Showboat, you know, neither of those had big stars particularly attached to them. They may have made a few stars from from the productions, but not at the time. And so I, I think it's the show and the music and the things that people resonate, maybe from their past, maybe from their childhood, and they want to kind of relive all that. Mm. Now, because Jesus Christ Superstar did have a sort of revival in concert form, didn't it? They, they did, did a big, big concert. Yeah, they... Um, arena they, versions of it. That's right, which they cast from television, if you're... Yes, I mean, that bonus is yes. going back about seven or eight years. And yeah. Ben Forster, who, of course, won that 
television competition is now the lead in Phantom of the Opera. He's the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera. But you're right, it went on a sort of arena tour, Mm. both here and in Australia, yeah. Now, looking at the best actor in a musical category, now, I know Charlie Stemp, this is the chap who's been hailed as this massive new star for, for half a sixpence. So is he a shoe-in, do we think? For the- I don't think anyone's a shoe-in. I think, I think it's a very open category. But, you know, once again, Charlie, he, this is his first major role out of drama school. You know, he was discovered in ensemble, so callback auditions for the ensemble. And Cameron McIntosh, the producer, saw him and loved him and said, I want him to play uh, the lead, Arthur Kipps. And um, it's big shoes to fill. You know, people were, this is a brand, I should say, this is a brand new production of Half a Sixpence, hence why it's in new musical category. Yes, and it's got Um, quite different scripts. 70% of the music is new. The script is completely new. It's all been changed around. But it has a few of the old songs, the David Henniker songs. But most of it's been written by Styles and Drew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Julian Fellows, Lord Fellows of Downton Abbey fame. And, you know, Charlie was discovered in, in callbacks for the ensemble. And, you know, he's filling the shoes that people remember of Tommy Steele, who played it in the original of musical. Course. And he sort of, if you if you go and see it, he is this bundle of energy on stage. I mean, he doesn't stand still for a single second. And he's magnetic, you know. This much-vaunted words of X Factor, what does the X Factor mean? Well, I'd say go and see that show and you will see in Charlie Stent what the X Factor means. You sort of can't take your eyes off him. He's that magnetic. And I think what a lot of the nominations are showing us is that the theatre is, musical theatre is in safe hands with the young people coming through. You know, yes, and I think we can take young that... stars coming forward. I think that's right. We can take that for granted, but, you know, that's decades of incredibly good training and academies and drama schools here in the UK um, with people from the industry very much involved in that training program. So, um, you know, the big drama schools will all pull creative teams for different productions from people who are doing professional work. So you very mm. much got the professionals involved in training those people from uh, from day one. But, you know, we, we we mustn't take that for granted. It's a very important part of why London theatre and UK theatre has the success it does. It's this extraordinary training we're able to provide. Now, looking at at, it's all the girls, all the women from the girls, I should say, have been nominated together. Yeah. Which seemed a strange, slightly strange decision because I would have thought, I mean, they are all wonderful, but Joanna Riding, I would say, has the lead role in that, really, and she is fantastic. She is extraordinary. The reason for that is that the show was always conceived to be about six girls, hence why it is called that. And there are six original calendar girls, the six original women who were here for the opening and everything. It has always been conceived as about the six of them. Um, And the producers and and the actresses themselves all very, very much wanted it to be seen as the six of them. So not not one or two or any more of them were singled out. Um, So that was respected and all six of them went forward as a grouping. So they asked for that, did they? That that was their suggestion. And the producer and and the actresses themselves. Yeah, Yeah. so it was all in discussion with them. Um, This is maybe slightly unusual, but um, that is how the show was conceived originally. So we have respected that. Then we take some huge names, of course, that are up in this category. We've got Glenn Close up against Sheridan Smith. Now, both of them had to take a break from the, from their roles while they were playing them, which asks the question, should we have an award for the best understudy? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, how great, you know, Sheridan Smith, you know, I mean, it's been much documented. She had a, a period off for illness during the run of Funny Girl. came back, though. Um, and her understudy, Natasha Barnes, went on and, and played Cinderella in Cinderella at the Palladium this Christmas in the return of pantomime. So, um, you know, Natasha's going to have a huge career as well. 
And, and Glenn Close only had a few performances at, but got a chest infection. And her understudy, you know, someone who I know very well and, and theatre audiences know well, Rhea Jones here, is now going to take Sunset Boulevard out on tour later in the year. So, you know, those understudies, if you like, are, are going to have a great career. And, and, you know, one shouldn't neglect the, the, the other person up for that category, which is Amber Riley, you know, much loved from Glee, mm. um, who is giving the powerhouse performance of, of her life in Dreamgirls uh, here at the Savoy. And... I mean, that category, I wouldn't want to choose who's going to win, you know. <laughs> the girls, Glenn Close, uh, Sheridan Smith or Amber Riley. How, how one chooses, I really yeah. don't know. It does seem amazing it's taken that long for Dreamgirls to be a production in the UK. Yeah, never been I couldn't done before. believe that it was under the new musical yeah, It's category. never, ever thought, been well, done here in the UK. It's extraordinary, isn't, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not been revived much in America. It was revived um, in a sort of old cinema theatre in Harlem, in New York, I remember seeing it, I think it was about seven or eight years ago, and was not a huge success. I mean, I think people thought that was the start and it would be a huge success and come into Broadway, and it didn't really work. But this is a completely new production by the um, extraordinary director and choreographer Casey Nicklau, who um, people may know from um, Book of Mormon, from Disney's Aladdin, and lots of other things. And uh, this, this was a completely new production by him. Well, Julian, thank you so much for coming in to talk about those nominations. I know it is a massive production on the 9th of April. Um, Ruthie Henschel and myself will be broadcasting live from the event. Do join us for that. Meanwhile, Julian Bird, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm Alice Arnold, and that was the Musicals and Theatre Podcast. If you enjoyed that, then you can hear me every Saturday and Sunday morning from 6 till 10 on Mellow Magic, where I have lots of lovely, timeless, relaxing classics, musical numbers and interviews. Okay.